Amen. Well, hey, would you welcome up Pastor John as he continues our series, All Commission. Right. Yay. All right. Well, good morning, you guys. It's so great to be here, and uh, if this is your first time, and if you're a repeat offender, we just want to say welcome. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we believe that God has brought you here for a purpose. Um, before we get into the Word this morning, I just have a real quick order of business, some house cleaning stuff. Uh, the state, the Hawaii State Department of Commerce and Consumer Affairs, DCCA, they require that our denomination trademark New Hope Community Church so under with our state ID or tax ID, which simply means we need a vote by a raise of hands that you approve that our church would be called New Hope Community Church so that nobody else could plagiarize and steal our name, all right? So in the count of three, raise your hands. Charles, we have majority vote? Yes. yes, all right. Thank you so much. Yay, we got that done. Woo, all right. Getting things done, you guys. Anyways, um... Uh, you know, in Matthew chapter 28, we're going to continue our series on the Great Commission. And uh, this is the, re the resurrection narrative. It actually arrives to a climax. That This is the peak, not only of the resurrection narrative, but also the entire gospel of Matthew culminates in Matthew chapter 28 in its final and majestic pericope. The women have seen the empty tomb, and they saw the resurrected Jesus. And here, as promised, the risen Jesus appears to them, and here they receive their commission in the famous words that have become the hallmark of the Gospel of Matthew, meaning, man, this is, there, if you try to, if you have your Bible, if you have your app, you try to switch it, right? If you go to Matthew 28, you try to go to the next page, it's Mark 1. So Matthew 28 then is Jesus' last words. And when you think about last words, it is very telling because it, it, it reveals an insight to what is important in a person's last words. Through the advent of the interwebs and Google, <laughs> I was like, what are some famous last words? And not only do I have quotes for you guys, but I have pictures called memes. They're not memes, all right? They're memes, all right? So here are some famous last words by people, all right? The first one is by Joe DiMaggio. Now, if you, you don't know, he's a famous baseball player. He was married to Marilyn Monroe, and she passed away a couple years earlier before that, and it was said that every week until he himself passed, he would bring a rose, uh, a dozen roses and flowers to her gravesite. And his last words were, I'll finally get to see Marilyn. You know, Napoleon Bonaparte also said his last words were Josephine, which is the name of his wife. T.S. Eliot, who is also a poet, he said, it is you, my dear, that his last words were concerned and his heart and his affections were towards his spouse and his wife. Uh, here's another uh, famous last word. This is from George Harrison, all you Beatles fan, right? Beatles fans, love one another that this is the most important th thing to him as he wanted to leave a legacy of his music and to those who would follow him. Now, this is, the next one is actually uh, Charlie Chaplin, okay? Um, and his last words were said after a priest read his last rites and said to him, may the Lord have mercy on your soul. And with his dying breath said, why not, why not, after all, 
it, meaning mercy, all belongs to God. Isn't that interesting? Um, and this is, he's not so famous, but uh, I, I really wanted to bring him out, was uh, Todd Beeman, okay? Uh, oh, not Beeman, Beamer, excuse me. Todd Beamer, if you don't know, he was, the, anybody know who Todd Beamer is? Yeah, so he was a passenger on United Flight 93, September 11, 2001. These are his last words at the end of a cell phone call before Beamer and others attempted to storm the airline's cockpit to retake it from hijackers. The plane crashed near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. He called his wife and his wife's like, honey, they're, they're driving planes. Terrorists are taking over planes and driving into the World Trade Center and into the Pentagon. What's going on? It's like, okay. All right. He talked to his, two of his buddies who also went to Wheaton College and says, are you guys ready? Let's roll. <laughs> Took down evil and injustice. And uh, my brother was actually in Wheaton College when they named uh, the student center the Beamer Center. And so uh, it, it talked about his mission and what was important to him, right? Uh, here's another one. This is interesting. Famous last words is from Leonardo. Uh, I was about to say DiCaprio. It's not Leonardo DiCaprio, all right? I'll never let go, Jack. Anyways. <laughs> I'm talking about Leonardo da Vinci, and you know, he's a brilliant mind, he's an um, artist, but he says, man, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. And here's another famous last word. Does anybody know who this is? If we go to the next slide, please. That is Jack Daniels. <laughs> One last drink, please. Okay. You know what Bob Marley's famous last words were before his death? Money cannot buy life, but it can buy a lot of bacalolo. Anyways, uh, <laughs> right? And here is uh, Nostradamus. Tomorrow I shall no longer be here. But Jesus, his last words were for you and I. Remember, the imperative and the thrust in the Great Commission is to make disciples. And how do we make disciples? Three ways. Last week, we talked about going to where the people are at. We can't expect build a church and they will come. No, we as the people of God must go to where the people are at. That we must both, both be missional, join God on his mission to advance his kingdom, and we must be incarnational, meaning that we must take on the responsibility to live like Jesus in our workplace, in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our cubicles, okay? That how do we make disciples go to where the people are at? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So today we're going to talk about, last week we talked about just go. Just go to where the people are at. And now we're going to talk about just baptize. Which is the second way in which we make disciples. Second step. So with that being said, could we all stand together? This in reverence to God's word, we'll turn to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Okay. I'll read, you can follow along, it's on the screen and on your notes. Jesus came and said to them, his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we feel the weight, Lord, of this mission that you've invited us to participate in. Because, Lord God, you have no plan B. You don't use angels. You're not using the skies and the galaxies to write things. Jesus loves you or Jesus saves, Lord, that it is through life on life transformation. It's one heart connecting with another, making disciples, going to where the people are at, baptizing in Jesus' name, and teaching to obey God that we make disciples. And so, Lord, I know that this is very near and dear to your heart. And this is the legacy that you want the church, Lord, to be built upon that Jesus Christ is the Lord. So I just pray that this morning, God, that you, Holy Spirit, would bring a, a persuasion, that you would bring a turning of the heart, a conviction, convince us of your truth, O oh Lord God, to make our lives count. Lord, to go to heaven and to bring as many people with us. And so, Father, I pray that you'd bring glory, honor unto yourself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. It was my sophomore year in, in college where as part-time to supplement income and to pay for gas and have insurance and eat McDonald's in college that I, I worked at uh, Wells Fargo Bank as a teller in Glendale, California. And once I started working, I kind of got used to it and the rhythm and the flow. And then all of a sudden, um, you just working there a couple months. Uh, there was this, uh, you know, I was single back then. I was still a sophomore, and I didn't date Renee till about senior or so, junior, senior year. But in my sophomore year, this girl just like took particular notice of me. I'm like, oh, wow, I got game. I still got it. And so this was many receding hairlines before. Um, this is when I still had a forehead, not an eight head, okay? And so. Um, you know, this girl started like, hey, how are you doing? He's oh, you're doing so well. I'm like, oh, thank you. And we we're just connecting. And then she would come in every Friday and, and, and just like make connections. And after like three weeks or so, four weeks or so, um, she's like, hey, um, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, oh, what are you doing, right? And so I said, oh, I usually go to church, you know, my dad and, and he was a pastor. And he goes, oh, you know what? Why don't you go to my church? I'm like, I was like, okay, you know, and she was into me, and she was attractive. I'm like, okay, cool. And then so I told my dad, Dad, I think she's the one, right? I'm not going to church this Sunday. I'm going to the girl she invited me, okay? Pray, all right? Your grandkids are at stake, all right? And so, <laughs> uh, I, so I visited her, her home church, and as we visited, it was like, okay, it was cool. They had, like, acoustic guitar, and, you know, it was a home church, like a Bible study and everything, and then... You know, the message comes on, and they were like, hardcore discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. We must be disciples and followers of Christ. And what does it mean to be disciple? And it's like, yeah, and you know, you have to be baptized. I'm like, yeah, I believe you have to be baptized. He goes, you know what? Because if you're not baptized, you're not a real Christian. I'm like, what? Er, like, and then come to find out 
they were International Church of Christ. So I think what happens is that, you know how pendulums swing back and forth? I think through the crusades and uh, the mega church where all it takes is a decision and say yes and say the sinner's prayer, then you get saved. International Church of Christ completely swung the other way and says, no, you have to be hardcore, you have to be a disciple. And you know, you, not, you need to be baptized because if you're not baptized, your sins aren't forgiven. And then I'm like, uh, so like, you know, I got to go. Uh, <laughs> and I ended up leaving, and then, man, their follow-up was crazy. So not only was she following me up, but then her Bible study leader started following, me up, following up on me. I'm like, yo, I didn't even have a cell phone back then, right? I had a pager, okay? And so um, they would call every week and check in on me. You're going to church? And, and then I was like, you know what? I just got to tell them to them straight. They're like, so why do you believe that? Um, so I could believe in Jesus, give my life to him, but if I don't get baptized, I'm not saved? He goes, yeah, because the Bible says in, Peter, in Peter's message, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. How could your sins be forgiven if you're not baptized? I'm like, well, Ephesians 2 says, like, man, by grace we've been saved. Through faith, it is not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. It was, well, if you're generally saved, then you should get baptized. But I said, it's not a prerequisite to be saved. And he goes, no, no, wait, look at the Bible. You remember, I said, hey, remember the thief on the cross? All he said was, Father, remember me when you get to your kingdom. And what did, what did Jesus say? Today you will be with me in paradise. This thief on the cross would never tithe to a church. He would never attend a synagogue. He would never read his Bible. He would never go to small group. He would never serve and do tear, tear down and set up. He never did any of this, but, but his simple belief in Jesus Christ, Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Well, uh, if, if, you know, if, if he had time, he would have gotten baptized, but he didn't. If he needed to be baptized, Jesus said, okay, unhook him, let him get baptized, and then he can go to heaven, right? And then so I'm like, oh, okay, well, he goes, well, you know, you still can't separate the aspect of forgiveness of sin and baptism. I said, have you read the gospel, the, the book of Galatians? He's like, oh, well, yeah, of course. I'm like, you know, Galatians chapter 1 verse 3 says, man, that there, there is an anathema meaning you are eternally condemned if somebody preaches another gospel because there was these Judaizers who said you need to be circumcised for you to be saved. And you guys are the false church. You, are, you guys are a false church preaching a false gospel. It is not Jesus plus. It is Jesus period. It is not Jesus comma baptism, Jesus comma or Jesus plus church membership, Jesus plus good works, Jesus period. I never heard from them since, all right? <laughs> But you see, I think we kind of miss out on the importance of Christian baptism. And what is Christian baptism? Here's our main point for this morning, all right? It is this, that Christian baptism is an expression. It means that you, this is how you express that you've repented. If we could have that on the screen, please. That you've repented from your sins and that you have faith in Jesus Christ. And baptism in itself... It's the wrong slide. The main point, the main thing, the main thing, keep the main thing, the main thing. All right. The Christian baptism is an, uh, in itself a confession. That's slide 11, you guys. 
please, if we could get on point, slide 11. Okay. <laughs> All right. Christian baptism is an expression of repentance, meaning that when you receive Christ, you're going to turn away from your sins and that you're expressing your belief in Jesus Christ or your faith in Christ. And when you get baptized, the act of baptism itself is a confession of faith. So let me break this down real quick, okay? So Christian baptism is an expression of faith, that meaning that it is a confession of faith, that you can, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, right? If you believe with your heart, no, that's not the right one. If you confess your sins, right, God is faithful and just to forgive your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. It's this confession with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord and God raised him from the dead, Romans chapter 9, you will be saved. It's that simple confession. And if you look at it, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, those who believed, they were baptized. So in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost comes, or in Acts chapter 1, in Acts 2, Paul or Peter preaches the gospel, and it says, those who received... 1 Corinthians 15 says, by this gospel we receive. That's the same word, lambano. So those who received his word were what? Baptized. You see here that receiving the gospel, receiving Christ, confessing your faith, boom, they were baptized. And they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Not only is it a confession of faith, but those who, bab who got baptized Call on the name of the Lord. You call on the name of the Lord. Would you write that down? Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized. Wash your sins away. Calling on the name of the Lord. If you receive Christ in your life, transition and move from a decision into a commitment. That you're not just a fan of Jesus, but a follower. That you're not just a convert, but you're a disciple of Christ. Also in Acts, it says that those who were baptized were baptized in the name of Jesus. Acts 19 verse 5, on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. You see here, when people express faith in Christ, in the Lord Jesus, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Lord. That over 2,000 years ago, God himself came down to this earth, lived for 33 years in perfect obedience so that he could be the holy Lamb of God who could take away the sins of the world. He died our death on the cross that you and I deserved. He was resurrected from, he was buried for three days, resurrected from the dead after three days. When people believed in that, they then immediately, they got baptized. You know, um, I don't know if, you know, how many of you are in first service, but you know, in first service, you know, I have my three-year-old as. Ezra, little Ezzy, okay? And I have him, and then Judah's on my left, and Noah's on my right, and we just kind of worship together. 
And I said, hey, he praised the Lord, and he would raise his hand and everything. And so, um, you know, my kids were growing up when I was youth pastoring. Uh, Renee would lead worship on a Wednesday night and Thursday night. And then I would hold the babies and then put, you know, sometimes I had two, right? And uh, that's where I get the guns, all right? And so... <laughs> I would hold the two, and then they would just fall asleep, and then we'd lead them home. And, and man, they just grew up around worship and, you know, trying to lead them to be intentional, passionate Christ followers. And, um, you know, when Noah was about, when he got into kindergarten at Cocoa Head Elementary, um, you know, I had to homeschool the kids because Renee had to teach, and so I had to homeschool and I'm like, what do I do? Well, we can't play basketball all day, right? And so I have to teach them. I said, why don't you we do an activity of your favorite uh, Bible story, right? And I was expecting like David and Goliath, right? Or Daniel and the lion's den. Or I was expecting, you know, Noah's ark or something. But Noah actually had this. It's a picture of, he got a ruler. If we could show that, Daniel. He got a ruler, he got a pencil, he drew a little boy, taped it on the cross, and he said, this is my favorite Bible story. Jesus took my place at the cross. So I'm like, ooh, like five, six years old, five years old, like, wow, he gets it. And then for his kindergarten project, you know, they have a little profile picture. They have like a little yearbook, a little pamphlet, and it's like, I am Noah. My favorite color is um, electric blue. I like to play. I like to go to the beach. And then the last one, it says, fill in the blank, I am special because. And then he put, I am special because I am loved by God. I'm like, ooh, man. Yeah. Like, he, he's tracking along. And then it wasn't until uh, January 19th, 2014, where Noah said, Dad, I want to get baptized. Jesus is, Jesus is God. I want to love him and follow him the rest of my life. And, you know, Renee and I, we got baptized like around teenage year or preteen. And I didn't want this to be a spectacle. Oh, look at the pastor's kid getting baptized. Look, they're making a big scene of it. I didn't want to put that pressure on him. I was like, no, no, Noah, you're not, you know, maybe when you get a little bit older. But then the Lord reminded me of the things that he understands who God is. He understands the Father's love for him. And then it wasn't until for six years, we never cut his hair, right? And so... People always thought he looked like a girl and everything. And, um, and so he said, Dad, can I get baptized? And for me to get baptized, I want to cut my hair because I want to be new. I'm like, oh, he wants to be new. I was like, you, you understand then, right? What Jesus done for you? Yes, he took my place. I'm like, all right. And, you know, when he did that... Um, cross symbol with a ruler and a pen that's uh, penal substitutionary atonement man that's deep theological stuff i'm like he gets it right <laughs> can you say penal substitutionary atonement right and so anyways and so and here's a picture of, of noah and there's a, a baptism uh, if we could show that please daniel in the back all right <laughs> 
Yeah, there. See, this was him before, long hair, and you know, we'd do arts and crafts and stuff like that. And here's a picture of him on his baptism with his lay, his fair, first haircut by Auntie Justine uh, Perez on the Sunday afternoon. And here is his baptism certificate with myself and um, Uncle Aaron. If we go to the next slide, please. Yeah, Noah Dangyanan. Baptized New Hope Hawaii Kai, 19th of January, in the year of our Lord, 2014. Expressing faith, like, I believe in Jesus. Jesus loves me. He died my death. I, I want to get baptized. We never talked to him about it. He heard it in Sunday school, but we didn't want to pressure him. But you see here, just the faith of a child understanding the love of God, giving his allegiance, his loyalty to the Lord. It's like, yes, I want to get baptized. See, baptism is a response. It is an expression of what God is doing in your life, in your obedience to Him, and saying, you know, I believe in Christ. I believe in His finished work at the cross. And not only is it an act of confession, but secondly, would you write down, it is an act of repentance. That when we receive the Lord, we repent and turn away. The Greek word metanoia means it is a changing of the mind that you were walking this way. You were walking according to the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But when God intervened, He changed your mind and you're turning 180 degree turn and now you are following the Lord. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit do you see that that there is a marriage between repentance and baptism that those who've repented of their sins and have turned away and have forsaken their old life their own way of old way of doing things they receive Christ like you know what I want to make this official and he says, when you get baptized, you will receive the Holy Spirit of promise. You know, Ephesians chapter 1 says that when you heard the gospel, the word of truth, when you heard the gospel and when you believed, he says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The, the tense of the, the verb there is instantaneous, meaning at the same time that you heard and you believed, you were at the same time sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You don't need to get baptized to get the Holy Spirit. When you believe Jesus, you do have the Holy Spirit already. But there is a blessing of obedience when you follow, as, when you follow Christ, when you walk as Jesus walked, when you turn away from your sins. Look at Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then and what? Turn to God. I love that. Re repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. See, when you and I, when we give our life to God, we find our very identity as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus. You know, I'm Filipino to the max, born in the Philippines, raised in the Philippines. That's my ethnicity, okay? You know, we did a 23andMe. Is it 23 21? Whatever, those genetic tests, 
like eight generations down, I have a grandparent that's 100% Ashkenazi Jew. Ashkenazi Jews are actually the line of Levites. They were the priests, so it carries on. Isn't that cool? Anyways, but listen, I don't find my identity as a Filipino. I don't identify, find my identity as even as a pastor. Pastoring is something that I do. It's not who I am. I am a beloved child of God. I don't find my identity as a husband to Renee. That's something, it's part of who I am, but th that's not the core of who I am. I don't identify myself as a father, and that's where my identity is at. My identity is not on things that I do or what I have. My identity is in Christ as a follower of Jesus, that I am all in. My past, my present, my future, all the chips are in. All my regrets, all my mistakes, my future my hopes, my ambitions, I put it all to the Lord and I receive the sonship as a son of God. And so baptism then, it, it, it's a seal. It kind of puts that, that wedding ring. I was like, okay, do you really love me? All right, let's go. And you put this on. It's a seal that, that we are with the Lord. Not only that, it's, uh, it's an expression of forgiveness of sins. Look at Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Acts 22, 16. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away, wash your sins away, calling on his name. That was there's also the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 47 through 48. Acts 10, 47 through 48. Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. You see there, they already have the Holy Spirit. So he ordered them that they should be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. If you receive Christ as Lord and you haven't been baptized, what on earth are you waiting for? Is Jesus Christ, is Jesus the Christ? Yes. Is he your savior? Yes. Is he your master? Yes. Then follow him in water baptism. This decision, turn it into a commitment through water baptism. You know, there's a story in, in Acts where there was an Ethiopian eunuch, okay? He was reading through the scriptures. God revealed himself to him. And, and after that, one of the disciples, I believe it was Philip, goes and, and it's like the Lord told him, hey, there's an Ethiopian eunuch along the way. Go to him. And he goes to him. He shares with him the book of Isaiah, starts reading to him the scripture. And as he reads to him, the Ethiopian receives the Lord and they were going on a chariot. And as they're going on a chariot, the Ethiopian's like, hey, is there water right there? He's like, yeah. He goes, why can't I get baptized? Okay, yeah, let's go get baptized. So they pull over and baptize him. That is the, the urgency of baptism in the New Testament. And for those of you who have been baptized already, may I encourage you, ratchet back to the gospel. Ratchet back to the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross. If you are dealing with habitual sin in your life, 
where you're experiencing more defeats than victories, if there are some vices and strongholds in your life, preach the gospel, stand firm on the gospel of what Jesus has done. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, okay? Paul talks about the importance of Christian baptism. Romans 5 is like, hey, should we sin so that grace may abound? It's like, oh, may never be. And then verse 1 in chapter 6, he says, don't you know that those who have been baptized have been baptized to the death of Jesus? If you are struggling, which I am, which we all are, with sin in your life, go back and identify yourself in the death of Jesus in your water baptism that you died to your old self. You know, I got saved in my sophomore year and it wasn't until I was in uh, a junior in Bible college that I came across and I took a Romans class that I understood the importance of identifying yourself to the life burial, the death of Jesus and his resurrection through water baptism. Paul says, sin should no longer reign in your mortal body because just as Christ died, identify yourself that you died to your old self and just as Christ was raised from the dead, identify yourself in you being submerged and getting out of the water and that you live in the newness of life. You know, just... I met with a IT guy from our church a couple weeks ago and I said, yo, man, you got to help me because I'm reading online and the average age of when a child is exposed to pornography is 9 to 11 years old. Could you help me put some filters on it? Because when I was 9 years old, I went to my friend's house. His parents were in home and we were supposed to watch WWF, World Wrestling Federation, with the Hulk Hogan, all right? And he pulled out some VHS tapes and, you know, we watched pornography and they're like, whoa, nine years old. And the image and the bondage, well, that stronghold was there. It wasn't until I, junior in, in, in college, in Bible college, I took a Romans class. Hey, in your baptism, you died to your old self. That's not you anymore. You're now made alive in God. That through the gospel of Jesus Christ, it, no amount of prayer or fasting or spiritual disciplines. Romans 12 says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. When our minds are renewed and we believe and put our faith in the finished work of Jesus, that he died to death on the cross. And when you and I, when we believe and when we were baptized, you, de- you, you, you died to your old self, selfishness, laziness, out of control, anger, bitterness, jealousy, you died to all that. Identify your spiritual death at the cross through your water baptism. And Paul says, when you raised, identify that you have victory of new life in Christ Jesus. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. There's riches, spiritual riches in Christ. 
Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 says that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That God emptied, bankrupted heaven and gave us everything in the person, in the life, and the work of Jesus Christ. Man, preach the gospel to ourselves. You've died to your old self. You've been raised to a new life. He said, now sin should have no stronghold over your life. If you're struggling, and it doesn't have to be hardcore sin, but it, maybe it's an emotion. Maybe if you're prone to depression, if you're prone to be in isolation, if you're prone to self-pity, you died to that. Associate yourself, identify yourself to what Jesus has done. You're raised to new life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Hallelujah. This morning, if uh, I make two invitations, one is if you have not given your life to Jesus. You know, the Bible makes it very clear, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he reaps. If you keep a life of disobedience, neglecting God, living in sin, living for yourself, denying and grieving God and the Holy Spirit, there is a day of accounting. You have two choices this morning. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The reason why everybody dies is because everybody has sinned. There's physical death, but there's also spiritual death. Spiritual death is separation from God. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not only did Jesus suffer physical death, he suffered spiritual death. He was separated so that you could be brought close to God. God. Jesus was condemned so that you could be accepted by the Father. So you have two choices. Either you're going to die for your sins in separation from God, or you're going to believe in what Jesus has done for you, embrace by faith the finished work of Christ, and let him pay your death at the cross. And if you want to receive the Lord this morning, if you've heard the gospel, but you want to respond to the good news of Jesus with all heads bowed and eyes closed, and you say, yes, John, I'll, that's me. I want to receive the Lord. Would you raise your hand in this place? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There's two people. Anybody else? Yes. Third one. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Just a couple more moments. Amen. And, and now I just want to pray for those who have been following the Lord, but you're experiencing, um, just, you just notice that there's a, a mastery of, of sin over your life. You notice you have this self-awareness and recognize your proclivity to sin and maybe you're experiencing a lot more defeats and victories and you want to experience 
new life, a life of victory in the Lord Jesus. And if you want to experience Jesus and live in victory, Jesus says, the thief has come to steal, kill, to destroy. I have come to bring life and life to the full. Jesus has an abundant life for you, not only in heaven, but Jesus has an abundant life for you now, here on earth. He brought heaven down, the kingdom of God down, through Christ. And if you want to live in victory this morning, would you also raise your hand this morning all over this place? Amen. Amen. Yes. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Could we all pray this together? Could you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, come into my life. Be my savior. Save me from sin, from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin. But also be my Lord. You're the God over my life. I love you. I will follow you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just pray, God, for your Holy Spirit working right now. I pray, God, that we will not nullify your finished work at the cross, that your people would live in abundance, in thriving, in victory. Lord, we pray right now, God, that, that as we partake of the Lord's Supper, Lord, that you would give us strength and grace, grace upon grace, Lord, so we humble ourselves and receive you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah.